welcome back everybody to that recruiter show with rodney and david hope everyone is having a great week and uh we're excited to, to have another episode to talk to you a little bit about well I'll, I'll let david introduce our topic i'm sorry about that i'm kind of getting into oh, your good. territory man <laughs> no there is no territory i um thank you yeah so the topic today we, we thought was pretty timely um there's been a lot of data coming out recently uh about jobs and, and what, what's happening in the economy as it relates to jobs. And there's two big reports that come out, and they always come out of two days apart. You've got the report from ADP, and you've got the Bureau of Labor Statistics, or the BLS report that comes out. And uh, this time, there's I think there's a lot to talk about, because the numbers are farther off from those two reports than they typically are. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I try not to get too deep into the stats of it all. But I think it's going to make for an interesting discussion. But, but beyond that, I think that what the numbers are saying is very interesting on a go-forward on a go forward basis in a, in, a, in a few different ways, which obviously we will cover today. So, yeah. And it's, and it's interesting. You, you mentioned the kind of the discrepancy between the two reports. And I think the tenor is different. Um, you know, I, I think even the ADP report, I'm looking at it now. It says we're we're seeing a steepening decline in jobs this month. Additionally, we're seeing steady decline in wages in the past 12 months. Which, it, but if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers, which was 336,000 jobs, 336. Yeah. It, it's yep. burnt, it's started a rally on uh, in the stock market. I don't know if you saw that, but it was like a, yeah. mm -hmm. a it's like a 300 point rally. Uh, so it's you know it's really interesting to see those two things. Um, so it'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, and and I think what's important to note too is maybe just out of the gate, let's you know, as it relates to the two reports, there are some distinct differences I think that people need to be aware of, and they're, they're probably not nobody pays attention to this stuff like you and you and I do, or most people don't. And I, I think that what you have to think about right with the ADP report one is that ADP does their statistics a little bit differently. And they also have more limited data because ADP as a payroll provider doesn't provide payroll to everyone, right? They have a huge swath of, of companies to which they do provide payroll, which is what allows them to, to even produce statistics as, as, as they do. But what they do is they, they work in basically, a, for lack of a better term, like an algorithm that, that allows for that margin for error, meaning, mm -hmm. They know that they've got some swath of of the the numbers, but they don't have this other. So they've got to calculate in if we had those other numbers, what would that probably mean, right? So there's there's things like that that are, that are in there. And then the ADP report, the other big one is that they don't look at government jobs added. They only look at private sector, right? And so that, automatically that's going to create a discrepancy because the Bureau of Labor Statistics looks more, I'm going to say, holistically at at all of the at all of the jobs in the economy. Right, right. So I think you know to your point. The ADP report is saying um, private payrolls uh, increased 86,000. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics is saying total non-farm payrolls mm -hmm. increased 336,000. Big number, but also wider scope of reporting. Right, right. Um, which, you know, and, and I think as we, as we, as David and I do, <laughs> looked at kind of each of the, individual categories, it's really some interesting things that are driving that. Um, Big time. And, and some of that did show up in both reports. And I think, you know, the hospitality industry certainly um, pushed that up, which was which yep. was great, right? And so I think you were kind of looking at that and it looks like it's getting close to pre-pandemic numbers. Is that what 
as I understand, yeah, what I read is that the hospitality industry and really what that consists of, it's hotels and restaurants and bars and, and those things, right? And so- Oh, you got to use the, the government term for it. Come on, David. What, what do they call it? Drinking establishments? Something like that? Um, no, it is- uh, Oh, gosh. Now I'm going to have to take a look. Um, it was something much better than that. It's food services and drinking places. That's right. Food service and drinking places. That actual line item in the report. We didn't make that up, which we both, for whatever reason, find that amusing uh, that they call that out in such a way. But what what has happened now is that the the restaurant employment has finally eclipsed slightly pre-pandemic levels. Mm-hmm. So now all of these restaurants are back to where they were at that time. Now, it's not to say that every job in restaurants is filled. That's not the implication there. But what it means is that, um, you know, for a long time now, we have heard how difficult restaurants have had it trying to hire people. Um, I still think there's going to be some elements of that, but it is now normalized to the pre-pandemic level, which is, I think, good news in, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And it also means there's just more people back to work. And that added right? 60,000, almost 61,000 jobs last month. That's a lot. Right. So it's a huge driver of that number, actually. The other thing that I thought was kind of funny, too, is, is that the government number was big. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got, you've got a lot of government jobs that are driving this number as well. And, and what's funny to me about that, funny to me, maybe not the operative word, but it, <laughs> that... The government doesn't produce anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so adding jobs into the into the government, right? How does the government pay their people? They pay their people through all your tax money. So right. you've got this huge segment of the economy that's 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 growing, but doesn't really add value in the same way that I'm going to say the private sector does. It doesn't add the innovation, doesn't add the value, and and yet that number is gone up, which you know. That's that's your tax dollars at work. And and to be fair, before anyone beats up on Big Brother in Washington D.C., that is primarily state and local. It's true. So if it's true. I think the total government number was seventy three thousand added jobs, which is big, right? That's a lot. Huge. Yeah. Um, state government was twenty nine thousand, and local government was thirty eight, and then federal was six. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's kind of, but I find that amazing. Um, I do too. So I think in a, it looks like a lot of that was education. I'm looking at it, and so. Mm-hmm. But here's my question: Does does that include people coming in off of summer break? But I, you don't like have a brand new job if you're a teacher, right? You get summer off and you just come back. It's not like you get a. That doesn't count, right? I well, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know how they count that stat. I really don't. Um, it 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 might, but but to your point, probably not. Um, but then again, it might vary state to state, how they handle it. I know, um, my wife being a teacher, I know how the education system, what, what they will do. And and again, I'm totally speculating now. So please don't take this as gospel for some, sometimes depending on certain circumstances, you know, a teacher will fill, fulfill their, their time for the year. Mm -hmm. They'll pink slip them and they won't tell them until, and they won't tell them until the end of the summer, whether they have a job or not. Oh, now. Um, that, that absolutely happens. It happened to my wife, I think five separate times. And granted, this is years and years and years ago, mm-hmm. but, um, but that can happen. So that, that could, that could have some sway within, within the number potentially, but again, I'm speculating. And, and again, it probably varies state to state. So, uh, mm-hmm. 
again, that that's just one, you know, we would have to look deeper on to really understand it. But I think the other one to, to other two, I want to point out are healthcare. Ooh, yeah. That was another one. Yeah. Another big one that drove it. And the, the other one, there was still um, a, quite a bit going on in professional and business and technical services. Mm -hmm. That was the other, that was the other big one. You know, we, you know, those were the, the, the primary drivers of the increase. If you were to add those together, that, that gets you most of your 336,000 additions. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I think what, what's interesting is, especially for us in, in our industry, we took a hit again, right? So it's, it's been, it's been a rough summer for people in, uh, in recruiting. It, it really has. If you, yeah, that number I think went down. I, I don't, I have it in front of me, but like something to the tune of 14 11 percent was it 14 yeah yeah 14% so that um that that's huge so mm -hmm. that you know it also tells you that company well they're still hiring in certain ways what what you're seeing is there's less um apt to, or the, the companies are less apt to hire to hire search firms to do their recruiting for them Mm -hmm. uh, it is really, I think the punchline there. Uh, and then what that means though, also is that if you look at the internal recruiting teams that companies have in a lot of ways, those, those numbers have been slashed too. Yeah. Under um, they're not staffed under, under a different header, but those, those, have, those numbers have been reduced, right? So there's less recruiters at most companies now. So now you've got less external resources supporting those recruiters and less recruiters internally. So those recruiters that are doing the work inside are just getting beaten up Ooh, yeah. in a lot of ways. And that's, and that actually plays out. It's anecdotal for me, but that plays out anecdotally to people that I know in, you know, in, in internal recruiting leadership or, or, or internal individual contributor types. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that, and I, and I don't believe that as a sustainable model Correct. at all. Correct. And so what, what I think is going to happen is it's literally a matter of time and I don't have a crystal ball. So I, I, you know, you and I have talked about this. We think it's probably sometime second quarter next year where this will have to shift and shift in both ways. Companies are going to have to hire some, some number of recruiters back and the, they will have to supplement with executive search in, in certain ways as well, just to, to, to meet the demand that they have. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. There's going to be a bridge there until they get, people get ramped back up internally again. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking at it and I, I think, I want to say, David, it looks, looks like 250,000, um, loss this year for, mm -hmm. for the, on the employment line, which is, that's a lot. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And that's from, oh, I'm sorry. And that's since in the, in the last, since September 22nd. So in the last year, 250,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's a big number. It's, yeah. it's, it's monumental. And, and again, anecdotally, I see in my LinkedIn feed, I see that, Agreed. you know, yeah. and, and, and I think it's happening less now. I think a lot of companies have right-sized already, but you still see pockets, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just read an article this week that I, you know, I sent it to you that meta is going to be letting go of a lot of people. And this isn't just recruiting, but they're going to be letting go of a bunch of people in their um, silicon um, not fabric, it's not fabrication, but it's, it's their oh, yeah. attempt to create chips Yeah, and, and they just can't create chips like 
Qualcomm can, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So that I know that they that and I use Qualcomm specifically because that's that, a lot of that's been outsourced to Qualcomm, and this is all around their their metaverse stuff, right? All that AR VR stuff that they're doing, and so you know that's kind of going away. But I think outside of that, you know, it's small pockets where you you, you may still see some layoffs, and I think it's more specific to companies versus industries. So I think that the layoff piece of it, by and large, is done. But mm -hmm. I but I also think that we're at an unsustainable point. And so the minute things turn and they will turn because they always do, mm -hmm. companies are going to really be behind the eight ball as it relates to how they're going to be able to recruit. Um, and the good news for us is that we stand at the ready to supplement those efforts before they can hire recruiters fast enough and get them ramped up fast enough to be able to, to support internally and maybe lessen the need for, you know, external search firms like, like us. I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> you, you, you do. <laughs> and we can go to that. watch that movie? <laughs> Bacon? Oh yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the Kermit the Frog version? No. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, could just imagine that set of lines, which I won't say <laughs> uh, on here, but, um, but it's Kermit the Frog doing it. So very, very good stuff. Oh, um, now yeah. you know what I'm going to Google in a you know. I guess, right? <laughs> um, but uh, but but yeah. So now you've, you've completely derailed me. I was going to say something else. Oh no, no, we were just we were just talking about you know the application of what we do in a market yeah, like this when right, it starts right, right. to turn around. Right. Yeah, and the other the other thing too, and I and I think that this also bears out because these these things are so closely tied, and you hear so much about it if you watch the news in any real capacity is. Well, then, so now we've got this, what would appear to be really strong jobs numbers. Oh, and by the way, the estimate by the, the, the brilliant minds at the Bureau of Labor Statistics was about 170,000 gain. Mm -hmm. So, so what we have seen is, is greater than double that, right? If, if I do my math or just, or just, just less than double, but anyway, right. it's, um, it, you know, so they were off by a lot. The, the estimates were off by a lot and, you know, the, the thinking is like, well, does that mean now that unemployment stays strong? Does that mean the fed is going to raise interest rates? Yeah, that and was a, I, quite a discussion. It, and it, and it all, cause it always is right. Every, every time these jobs reports come out, there's always, uh, and, and, and they've been relatively strong. Oh, and by the way, they revised these reports too. And they've revised up July and revised up August. Yes. Yeah. And so what indicating that the job market was even stronger in July and August than the numbers would have indicated in that moment that the, that the report came out, you know, taken all together, right. It, it means that the, you know, that, that the economy or the jobs market rather is incredibly resilient. And does that then mean there's going to be greater inflation requiring the fed to continue to raise interest rates to cool the the market. And mm -hmm. the good news is, and what I've read is probably not actually. The reason being is that when you look at these jobs numbers, if they're continuing to be strong, um, the, the implication is that, okay, now there's more people with more money to spend, which will then drive up inflation, right? Cause there's more money in, mm -hmm. in the system. That's what, that's what drives up inflation. It's, you know, it's, it's too much money chasing too few goods. Right. It's the right. kind of the definition of inflation. And so, um, but, the, but what's happening now, there's a couple of factors underlying this that I think are really important to bring up, which is one, the number of people coming back to the job market has increased 
a lot over over time. And there could be all kinds of reasons for that. Stipends running out. I think some of the folks, maybe the fact your student loans are going to come, you know, come, come <laughs> crashing down on you, you know, any, anything, right. That, that can, that can make you need to have more money. Um, but there's more people going back into the job market than before. So what that means is that if you look at the unemployment number, right, it's, it's, it's a number based on what, um, you know, how many people are actively looking for work versus how many people actually have work. Right. Right. And so if there's a number of people, right, if, if there's a number of people that are not in the job market, they don't get counted in the number, which in my mind is also what makes the jobs number kind of funny, but, um, or the job percent, you know, the employment percent kind of funny, but, but that aside, um, that number has increased. Right. So, so you've got more people in and, and you've got, but you've got more, you've got flatter wage growth overall. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's what you've kind of got to take into consideration is that wages have grown since last year by about 4.2% from what I read from September of last year, but seem to be flat over the last few months. You know, I think the increase is, is, was minimal is like 0.2%, which would indicate that maybe there isn't going to be any inflationary pressure from this additional jobs news. Mm. And therefore the fed won't be as apt to raise rates. Right. So, I mean, Granted, you know, who knows what they're going to really do at the end of the day, but I, I do think taking those things into consideration and I know they do the same and then some, and they're economists and I'm not, mm -hmm. I, I, I would bet more on the side if they're not going to raise rates, at least based on what we're seeing today. But this is a crazy question. I'm not, I'm not thinking that you're going to be able to answer this, but like, don't you think that this month is it like you raise it now? Or else you're, you're talking about raising rates right before Christmas, during Christmas, and then you start to get into raising rates during an election year. So do you mm -hmm. do it just to like, if we're going to do it, we got to do it now. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, I, you know what? I, you're right. And, and who knows what the real answer will be at the end of the day. But I think it, it I think you're right. I, I don't mm -hmm. think they're going to raise rates. And I think you're right about that. Um, certainly, the, I know, you know, from from talking to you know, our, our treasury friend that, um, Patrick, pa we... Patrick said hi, by the way. And, oh, good. and just, Tell so you know, hello. um, yeah. he'd, he'd ask um, when, we, when he was going to come back. So we've got to, we've got to get Patrick back. We'll get him on. We will absolutely get him on. And I would love to have his take, but I think that, that certainly when you go into the election year, the fed doesn't like to, to mess with, with rates and, during election year as much, because again, you know, obviously the administration in the seat will be the one that gets blamed um, if, if they mm -hmm. do right or wrong, that's, that's just how it goes. And at, you, to your point, if they start to raise rates right at the end of the year, you know, what implication does that have? I mean, on the flip side though, you could look at it like if they do, that'll certainly cool off some consumer spending over the course of the holiday period. Bigly. So, Bigly. but is, is, but is it so much that they wouldn't want to do it? And so I, I, so where I'm going with all of this is, I don't think there's enough happening to to inflation that's going to cause them to want to raise rates again. But big caveat here, it's still not down to 2%. Right, right. So there's still an argument to be made, I think, that if they want to get it to that 2% number, that they need to then then you could argue that they would need to raise rates. So we, we will see. But, you know, taking just a slice of this, 
with these jobs numbers. I don't think these jobs numbers, as strong as they are, are going to be the thing that kicks them to to raise rates. I, that which right. is, I think is the good news about this, and, and and it's also good because you know obviously you want people to be employed because clearly you know things are a whole worse a whole lot worse off for people when they're not. So, uh, you know, so that's that's the good news with all of this, I think. And um, you know, but again, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, it's you know it's interesting. And I was fiddling. Those of you at home don't see this, but I was fiddling, and David's probably going, "What is this dude doing?" I'm trying to find a place to plug in my laptop because. It's like got 20% left. Um, got it. <laughs> but got it. I wasn't even wondering. I noticed, but I wasn't wondering. To your to your point, I'm just kind of like, man, the the whole complexity of this. And maybe it's just because I like to ruminate on stuff. I like to just sit, I'll just sit on my back patio and stew on stupid things. And not to say that this is stupid, but it's just like, okay, Rodney, like you can really impact what's going to happen in the universe. Uh, at this level, but I, I, I just want to figure it out. Right. And I think that's exactly kind of what we're talking about. It's like, okay, what are all the externalities here that are going on and what's going to happen? Because it impacts so many people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and to your point, you drop a, a quarter percent interest rate increase in December. That's, you know, or even November. Yeah. You know, that's a punch in the gut. That's yeah. a punch in the gut for a lot of people. I mean, and, and you, you impact things in a way that's just, Oh gosh, I better not use my credit card. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like I'm sure well, people exactly. are doing it's, it. it's, an inflection point. it's an inflection point. Mm -hmm. You know, it's certainly, it's certainly right now, you know, people aren't, are as apt to buy houses, right. You know, cause there's a really high percent of the economy of people, you know, that own, that own homes, you know, they're at three or 4% or less potentially. Yeah. Someone and, did an analysis. So it, You'll love this. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, go on. I love this stuff. So someone did an analysis on buying a $400,000 house in 2020 and now. And with the interest rate in 2020, it was like 2.9 or something like that. Total cost of the loan was like 600K, 607, something like that. And now it's like, it's it was above seven and a half. And same house now at seven and a half, seven point nine, something like that. Total cost of the loan is over a million over 30 yeah, years. Yeah, um, that's monumental. And I don't know that, you know, it's like until you see those numbers, it, it really puts it in perspective because that is the same $400,000 home. Mm -hmm. But the cost of your money has gone up just, just a ton. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you know, and if you think about the same thing, with companies, right? The cost of borrowing money has gone up mm -hmm. tremendously, which I think also still, even though the jobs numbers look pretty good, when you slice it down to what, who is hiring, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's, it, it, the, 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 I don't know, the underlying theme is also not so great. If you look at it the, this way, that a lot of private industry isn't isn't going to go get their what was almost free money to do whatever projects they wanted to do and invest in all these different things mm -hmm. like they would have you know when the interest rates were far lower and so now you've got companies that are just pumping the brakes on things which will then mean they're going to continue to pump the brakes on hiring overall and so if government doesn't continue to hire if restaurants now are you know going to hire more at, at whatever the clip was back in you know pre-pandemic times 
Um, I think healthcare is going to continue to grow. Um, but it, it, you, I think you're going to see a little bit of a, of a downward swing then uh, as long as the interest rates stay high. And, and one thing I do think, even if I, even if they don't raise rates again, I also don't think they're going to lower rates for a while. Right. That's the downside. Right. So, so which means that where we're at today is going to continue for a period of time and companies won't do as much as maybe they would have under this, you know, under lower interest rates. Right. So, so that's the kind of the so give and take. And another, so now you've, you just make me yeah. ask you questions. Yeah. Go hit me up. <laughs> what about corporate, corporate real estate in that scenario? <laughs> I actually read something about that. Um, here's an interesting one. And I, I'm trying to remember who I was reading this from. It was, um, it was a billionaire hedge fund guy, and I'm trying to remember which one. Um, but anyway, what he was talking about, um, I actually saw this. I didn't read it. I take that back. I saw this. And he was talking about commercial real estate very specifically. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that what's interesting about it is you've got a lot of banks, particularly regional banks, that mm -hmm. have a lot of money in commercial real estate. And as commercial real estate continues to tank, these banks are now at risk too, mm -hmm. right? Well, I think the commercial real estate industry certainly is going to be in a bad spot, continue to be in a bad spot and probably get worse. And now you've got, you know, some of these banks that are going to probably have to take a hit. Right. Um, are they going to have to take a hit to the point where they go under? I don't know, but it's, it's a big part of, of, of their portfolio apparently in a lot of these regional banks. And so that's going to be, that's going to be a very interesting thing to see because nobody seems to think, I mean, there are some people that are more bullish than others, but nobody seems to think, that people are going to go back to work in the same way that they were pre-pandemic, and the mm -hmm. and the stats are bearing that out, right? You're still seeing occupancy rates in Manhattan. I can't remember. I, I don't quote me on this number, but it's something like, you know, maybe fifty percent. Wow. You know, um, and same thing I think in in a lot of other other you know metropolitan type areas. So you know, well, that might eke up a bit. Is it ever really going to come back? And I, I, a lot of people don't think that it is. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are far fewer jobs um, that are fully remote these days. Uh, but what we're seeing is there's more hybrid type jobs. So, so that would then change the occupancy, right? Because if you're only in two days a week or three days a week, that's going to mess with the occupancy. So what is a company going to do? Yeah. The real estate footprint, right? I actually saw this, and this is well, well before this, but when I was at PwC, one of the things they did in LA, which I thought was really interesting and very smart, was they were realizing because of the type of work that they do, that um, you know that your auditors are out in the field most of the time, your consultants are out in the field most of the time, your tax people tended to be in a little bit more. But what they did was they one they were in one of the most, as I understood it, one of the most expensive buildings in downtown Los Angeles. Whoa, uh, beautiful, beautiful building. Um, but they moved to another really amazing building, actually even closer to just for your own edification, closer to the Staples Center. Okay. Although it's not Staples Center anymore. I can't remember what it is. Crypto.com arena, something silly. <laughs> um, but, um, so they moved closer to where there's like entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it became walkable if you wanted to walk that way. But what they did is they reduced their, their real estate footprint by about 10% and went to a hoteling, mm. uh, approach. So, and they had an app for it. It was, it was very, very easy to do. So if you knew you're going to be in the office, whether it's for a day, for half a day, for five days, you could make reservations. Mm -hmm. And depending on what department you were in, you got first right 
to, to certain, certain areas, right. Cause they're trying to keep people together where they could and, right. you know, and all that. So it was done in a really, really thoughtful way, but man, I'm telling you what, when you talk about an office that has, you know, I'm trying to remember what the number was, um, a couple thousand people and, and you reduce your real estate footprint by 10%. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. So you also, you, so their per square foot number went down and their size went down and that was pre pandemic. But I'm wondering now, if more companies won't go to something like that over time and, and thereby real, you know, reduce the real estate footprint, which will be crushing for commercial real estate. Yeah. And unfortunately crushing as we've already seen some of this for all of the businesses that are supported by that, like, let's just say in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but, but I think that I do think that's a reality that we just haven't quite seen come to fruition yet. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting, right? So if, if, I had a huge business and I was expanding and the question then became, do I buy something or do I lease a a building? Do I want that to eat? How much, how much do I want to let that eat my margins? Mm -hmm. Given, given kind of the, the climate today, a, even if you're going to lease, you're probably going to pay something close to double or more of what you would have paid two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy something, we just had that conversation about the cost of money that if you buy a million dollar facility and it's not cash, you know, you're now talking about your million dollars over the life of the year loan, something costing you something somewhere in the neighborhood of what, one point two, two and a half million. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't want for, that to eat my margin. I, I would just kind of say, well, how, how much can we keep people at home? Well, particularly when you're talking about that sort of a thing, right? It's different if you have real estate, like it's a warehouse because you need to store, you know, you need an inventory, mm-hmm. right? But when you're talking about purely office space, right? Uh, servers people, or anything to sit, to sit that, you know, that I, I agree with you. And typically, you know, particularly in service companies, real estate and payroll are their two biggest costs. Mm-hmm. And so if they can, you know, and payroll, you know, is one of those things that, you know, they, 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 you know, they have to pay their people. Right. And, but real estate, that's something you can really mess with. Right. If you want to. Right. Uh, and so we'll see, but you know, I, but I do, I do believe that to your point, do you want that, those costs to eat your margin or do you want to be a little smarter about what you're doing? Yeah. And and, and do it that way. And I, I would think that, you know, if people, unless people are going to try to force a five day work week, I think what, what we're going to see more of over time is companies moving to less real estate, l- less of a real estate footprint mm-hmm. very, in very much the same vein that you were just talking about it. Right. It's, do you want your real estate to eat your margins unnecessarily when you don't have to, you know? And so, yeah, JP Morgan is going to try to make everybody go in five days. So they're probably not going to do much of their real estate. But there, the five day a week is more of an anomaly now than I think um, than ever before. Certainly, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of companies are trying to balance hybrid, and and then some companies, you know, they, I think they still see value in the remote side of things. But there's fewer, you know, I, I don't know what the stats are on that, and you can look those up. I think on LinkedIn, but there's far fewer uh, fully remote jobs, but still more than pre pandemic. So hundred percent, you know, and then the, the hybrid pieces is, is probably what's really taking off the most. But again, if you did a kind of a hoteling concept, I think that would be a very, very smart way to handle it. And there's tech that can do that for you. That works really well. I think PWC's tech was, was homegrown, 
but it doesn't strike me as being overly complex, you know, with, with, if you've got the right tech people. Right. Yeah. So, so let's say you, you have a medium sized business. It's you say JP Morgan, right? That's a huge company. You know, I, I think that question for them is very different from if you're, you've got 50 to 500 people. Do you, you know, you're the CEO, you got 500 people and you're busting at the seams. What do you do? You send them home and do the hoteling model? It depends on, I think, what they do. But if you can, yeah. I think that would be a great way to do it. And you have, and you can create designated times in the office and, and whatnot. But I, I do. I, and I don't know why you couldn't do that, right? Like some people have to be in for certain reasons. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs where people are demanding people be in can actually be done re- uh, remotely very effectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think that's where I think a lot of the, this, and I've seen, obviously, you still see all these productivity articles come out about this stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as it relates to what how people are doing at home versus they do at work, which we go down that rabbit hole again for another <laughs> hour probably. But I, I do think that to the extent you could do that, absolutely, yeah. that would be that would be something people could do and and reduce their real estate footprint and give people a little reprieve from their commute. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think it's a win win. For everybody involved, it, you know, provided you've got the tech to support it, which most companies I think do these days, yeah, uh, and the person doesn't have to be in for a specific reason. Like a warehouse worker, obviously has to be in, but a more of the white collar workforce that tends to work on laptops on the you know on the daily, mm-hmm. those people, there's no reason you know that those people can't work at home sometimes on a, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe have certain days in the office, certain teams are in the office together. I mean, you can do this in a really, I think, thoughtful and intelligent way where you still can drive the innovation, which I always question that too, but let's just say hypothetically, that's true. Mm -hmm. You could drive the innovation, um, you know, and having people in at the same time, because the reality of it is, is there's no stat that I've ever seen that supports being in five days creates greater innovation than say, if you were smart about it, but people were only in three days, right? Maybe arguably two days. Right. So I think that, I, I think that for these, some of these more old school folks that just don't have the wherewithal to want to buy into this, I, I would encourage it. And then the other thing too, and, and with that, and I think this bears um, saying is a remote workforce requires a different kind of management. It does. So that's the other thing, right? And so, I, again, I could go down a rabbit hole in this too, but suffice it to say, if you've got people that know how to manage these remote or hybrid folks the appropriate way, you're going to get everything you possibly would want out of these people mm-hmm. and, and simultaneously have an ability to reduce your real estate footprint. That strikes me as a win-win, and I don't know why somebody wouldn't want to look at that. Right. I could totally go down a rabbit hole with you on – on that, but I, I, I want to throw out another scenario and I suspect this is probably the more common scenario. So you're at the same company, you've got 500 people during the pandemic, you shut down, everybody worked from home and you found out, I don't, they're doing fine. I don't, they don't need to be here all the time, but now you've got this office that sits 500 people and it's the utilization is half. Let's say, what do you do? 
You know, that's a good question. I think that if people are doing fine at home and, and you have people that are capable of managing that, that remote workforce in a way such that productivity is still fantastic, the, 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 you, you're going to pay for the office either way, whether mm -hmm. people are in it or whether people are not in it. For a period of time. So this, and then they typically end, or maybe if you own it, maybe you can sell it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but, but hypothetically, right, you're still paying for it no matter what. So what I don't see value in is going like, well, I'm paying for it. You better get your butt in the office. <laughs> right. You know, because I'm paying for it. Out there. <laughs> be there um, just to make myself feel better. Like that, that argument doesn't hold any water. Right. You're paying for it either way. Right. And so to the extent that, you know, and I would just say, take that time to get everybody set up remote, you know, you can still hold, you know, some meetings in the office periodically for a period of time or whatever you wanted to do, but, you know, get set up, use that time to just continue down the path. that seems to be working. And then when you can offload that real estate, you do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I would look at it personally. If, if it were my company in that scenario, because it doesn't save me money to make people come in. Right. And it, it doesn't so buy you I'm any additional efficiency. It doesn't buy you any additional output. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't think, Companies look at it that way. I will say that. I I think it's it's what I said where, and this is what rubs people so much the wrong way is, you're telling me I got to come in. I think it's because you, you want to use the, the office that you have because you're paying for it. <laughs> you're telling me it's all in, in the name of collaboration. Oh, and by the way, my boss doesn't come in or I'm, I'm the only one of two that sit in this office. Yeah. You know, it's it, the argument doesn't hold water. That's the thing. And people see that. And we can go back to our last podcast, which is this idea of like, what are you, what culture are you creating with BS arguments like that? Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, you did layoffs or all, you know, all these things, right? Like what kind of, what kind of culture are you creating with that? Cause I don't, I personally don't think it's sustainable in a material way. And I certainly, now I'm not so naive enough to think that the big tech companies aren't going to be fine at the end of it all. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Amazon's not good. Where, um, you know, Meta's not going anywhere. Well, I don't know. Meta's weird with their <laughs> ARVR different different story. Um, or Google, right? I don't think that any of those those companies are going away because there'll always be people that want to work there mm -hmm. under whatever conditions they 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 put. However, when things really ramp up and you're and you're in a talent war, that's, that's where you're gonna feel it. That's when it's going to get real. And when Meta can't hire enough software people because they've already hired all the software people that want to be there. And then they and let go a bunch of the other ones. Burned, <laughs> yeah, all the other ones that got burned or that don't want to mess with you are going somewhere else. You know, that's where you're going to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of, of still things to come in my mind that we just haven't seen yet, right? We're seeing this kind of this wave, right? Is things were a certain way pre-pandemic. Things have become another way during the pandemic. I think now post-pandemic still has impacts from the pandemic and the way people look at things and the way people act. And, and then also, you know, you've got the inflation, you've got all these other economic factors, uh, the economy, you can't read it because, you know, it's, it's the former <laughs> indicators now are telling you the same thing maybe. So, I, I think what that means over time is that it's going to play out a little differently and there is still things to play out that maybe have not been seen before. Yeah. 
and, and that's that's kind of what I keep coming back to in my mind is like there's something going on that I don't know. Yeah. In, in the sense that I'm not saying I'm stupid or anything like that. I just look at all these things and I just know there's something that no we're not thinking about here that's making mm-hmm. this so interesting. I'll say it. It is an interesting scenario. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's going to be a 2024 or 2025 thing. Um, but I, I will tell you, like I, like I saw when I started my business, my previous business in 2014, part of my calculation was I saw what we saw in, you know, 2015 through 2019. And I saw, I was, I was like, that's crazy. This is going to be nuts. All these people retiring. There's going to be way more work than, than people to do the job. Now's my time to try. And now in the middle of that, I ended up going back into the corporate world. But I, I see something in a similar way right now, but I haven't put my finger on it as to what it is. But I, I get a sense that we will be in the exact same scenario come like 2025, 2026, I think. Mm-hmm. But what will be different is the mindset of, of the people that are out there. And the shine is off attack. And, and so you won't have, now I'm not saying they're, they're going to be fine. As you said, they're going to be fine, but you, you won't have the droves that are just like lining up at the door. Um, so it's, it's, I will, I will figure it out. I promise you that, but something's going on, right? There's an undercurrent of something big is not big, or there's a sea change happening. I think that's what it is. I, I think we're we're moving into another time that we've you know, and there's these things, these inflection points happen, you know, and then and then you layer on. There's two other things I think that you layer on to that. AI, mm-hmm. that's gonna cause disruption big time, I think. And then the other and, and probably a little more short term is the the presidential election that's coming up. Because that always has impacts, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly in the you know in the immediate term, but but you go back to mindsets, right? And the presidential election, right or wrong, has a mindset shift for it causes a mindset set shift for people, um, good or bad, right? And so um, and companies same, right? And so I think that those couple of things in the next couple of years are going to be big, and and to your point, I I I think there's there's even more to it. I. I this mindset shift that people have and this sort of push and pull between remote, not remote, how do I do work? Where do I do work? All those things have impact on what is going to happen. And then you want to, if you really want to dig even a little deeper than that, the diversity components Mm -hmm. of all of that impacted too. So companies need to make decisions on if I do X, how does that impact my diversity and, and, and inclusion and all those things. So that's part of it too, you know? And I think, interestingly, I think they've gotten away from thinking about diversity and inclusion, um, a a bit sake as compared to even a couple of years ago, but again, another rabbit hole, but again, all, all of that stuff comes to bear and will have to be thought about and I, I go back to our stakeholder shareholder conversation, mm-hmm. right? And, and I don't, you know, I know companies do think long-term, right. But at the same time, they also have to think very short-term 
And, and so they'll make decisions in the short term that aren't always in the best interest of the long term. Mm-hmm. Companies do that all the time. And, and I think right now they're making decisions, but, but I think there's just more that we don't know than ever before. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the part that I think has a lot of people uneasy because I think people realize they don't know what they don't know. And nobody's come out of a pandemic before, right? you know? Um, and so all of that matters. So it, it's going to be interesting. And I, I just, I like, I'll go circle back to the kind of the top of the hour, right? It's like, I like that a lot of people still have jobs because that provides an element, at least of security, even if people aren't spending in the same way that they, that they did, you know, but it, it, it at least means that people can survive. Yep. which I think, which I think is the positive side of all of this. And hope, so hopefully that doesn't change in a material way over time, but I think the way we work and how things, how things go and where we work are going to be, we're going to be big. Yeah. I, I really do. I really think those things still need to play out. And this, this push pull between the employer and the employee has to play out. And I, I just don't know how it's going to go. I, mm-hmm. my prediction is the employers aren't going to win. The employers aren't going to win this battle at the end of the day. I don't think. Uh, I think the employees are going to win the, the, where, uh, we work battle. Um, maybe not to the extent that it's going to be all remote. I don't, I don't mean to say that, but I do think that it's, I, I think that's, what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think maybe, maybe that's kind of the essence of it, right? There's a lot out there that has to come to a head and mm-hmm. I haven't really put my finger on how it's going to come to a head, but, but to your point, look, we're, we're Gen Xers and, and, either in our fifties or close to our 50, you know, whatever. Um, we're not that big of a generation and, you know, the millennials are right behind us in their forties. Now they've got a different value set and they look at these things a lot differently. I think than we do. I, I think, I don't want to say we're boomers, but I think we Gen Xers are just more along the lines of, okay, well, I'll just go do it. And, and I think we've enjoyed a lot of this freedom of working from home and things like that. But I think, beyond us, the millennials and, and, you know, folks, what are they now? Gen Z. <laughs> Gen Z. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is, no, this is normal for them. And I don't think they're ready to get, they're, they're not going to give it up. And they're now becoming managers. You're going to see them becoming CEOs. And a lot of them are CEOs, but you know, a fortune 500s, right? So right. they're going to start taking their turn in senior leadership roles. Um, so things are going to change. And I think that's going to drive it more than anything. Right. And, and it's just going to take a couple of years for that to filter. It's inevitable. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think that as you mentioned, the you know, Gen X and Gen uh, and the millennials, you know, they're the Gen X is, the, is a small generation. And I don't think that there's enough Gen X to, I know there's not enough Gen X to fill leadership stuff. So you're going to have a very nice mix of Gen X and millennials in, I think, top leadership positions for a pretty good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think just the, the numbers will necessitate it differently than the boomers, right? So the boomers could hold everything, right? Because there was enough of them, right? And and so, but I don't, but Gen X, I don't think can. So I think you're going to have a lot, a lot of millennial influence in leadership. Um, My Gen like X now. response to that is like, uh, you're lost, man. Whatever, you're lost. <laughs> right? right. Well, it's funny too because I'm a Gen Xer, closer to Boomer than Gen Y or the, the Millennials. But um, but yeah, that you're right, and the, the generational thing, and it's also interesting to see. And, and again, I could go to rabbit hole in this. I think I've said enough for the third time. Is the these folks that are coming out of the pandemic 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this generation of people that did their last couple of years of college remotely, or these kids that have done their last couple of years of high school going into college. Mm-hmm. Those things, th- those things are starting to play out now. And I actually, so uh, maybe this is something we could talk about at some point is companies now are starting to figure out that, that a lot of these folks didn't develop the same amount of what's to say, and I'm not trying to say this in a negative way, cause I don't actually blame anybody for it. Uh, you know, it, it, but it's, it's, it's the social skill and the decorum mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. how, to, how to navigate in, you know, when you're around a lot of people and that sort of thing, they, they, so they lost some of that because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, like I said, I blame them, but companies are now starting to put in training to try to overcome that. Um, yep. You know, some of the bigger, I think, this and a couple of bigger, the bigger consulting firms. But, um, you know, that's, that's something too. And that won't play out quite in the same way for a while. But that is, you know, is right around the corner that these are the people that are going to be your entry level mm-hmm. professional workforce. And, you know, that I, I think they're going to have a very different take on how it all has to go. I know. I, it'll be interesting. We're, you know, we'll, we'll be on the tail end of our careers by that point when they're really kind of in God willing. God willing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that, so I think we're good for the, for the week, right? I think um, I, I'd like to, at some point, we probably need to talk about some of those things that we've kind of brought up and maybe get a millennial or a Gen Zer on and, and get their take on it. That would be very fun. I would, I would really like to do that. And I, and I think you're right. I think we, you know, we, we, we went a few different directions on this, but again, it all comes back to the jobs report and where is this all going to take us? Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're really just to, to, to boil it down and, and, you know, I think you have our thoughts now on it, right? Um, good, good, bad, or otherwise. And uh, we will see how it ultimately plays out. Exactly. Let us know. Would love to uh, get your thoughts on it as well. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe or or like the podcast. We'd love to get your feedback as well. If you had any comments or anything, uh, anything you'd like to say uh, as we as we take off. No, I I think you covered it. Um, like or like and subscribe. Provide comments. Um, you know, critiques, if you will. You know, whatever, whatever. We we think we we want it all at the end of the day. Right. And we, and we take it seriously and we want, um, you know, we want to provide, you know, the best possible, uh, show as we can provide. And part of that is, you know, understanding what the audience wants. So I, uh, I, I encourage people to do that. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody and enjoy your week. And thanks for listening to that recruiter show.